0: Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast, I'm Adam. I'd like to start by saying a huge thank you to my new Patreon supporters this week, that's Melinda, Dawn Osborne-Tiller, Emily Sarah and Louise Goodwin. Thank you all so much, I really appreciate your support. Also, a shout out to the London True Crime Meetup, which is happening on Saturday night in the Trafalgar pub in central London from 5. The hosts of the excellent British podcast, they walk among us and Red Handed will be there, which will be super cool. I'm really looking forward to meeting them. But just to lower the tone and to dilute the quality, I'll also show my face there from about 5 to 7. Not for too long as any longer nowadays and I'm likely to wake up in Acapulco dressed as a character from Harry Potter sometime in December. When you get there, if you don't know me, I'm the one with the boyish yet mature film star good looks, who answers to, what would you like to drink, Adam? Please do come and say hi. Brexit, Trump, Leeds United, top of the championship. People still listening to this podcast. The last couple of years have really seen some extraordinary events. I wonder if you'd agree with me that in our society, unless you live somewhere like North Korea... Respect for authority is eroding and belief in the official story being told by the establishment is as low as it's ever been. Well, just look at the rise in the number of people who genuinely believe in conspiracy theories as they search to make sense of what's happening in this world of constant change. There are, of course, many reasons for this. But in the UK, one contributing factor had to be the political expenses scandal of 2009. Do you recall those days? I remember it clearly as every day the Daily Telegraph newspaper brought new details to a disbelieving public. The allowances and the expenses falsely claimed by our politicians led to sackings, resignations and even imprisonment for a number of politicians. Today we examine one story from this time, but before we do so, let's put the story in context by looking at what else was happening at this time. In July 2009, Top of the charts in the UK was Evacuate the Dance Floor by Cascada, ahead of Michael Jackson with Man in the Mirror. In the US, the top spot was filled with the Black Eyed Peas with I Got a Feeling. Call it a hunch, but I reckon you might just be familiar with that one. The Black Eyed Peas topped the album charts in Canada, and in Australia, the essential Michael Jackson was in the album top spot. In the news this month, Jadranka Kosor became the first female president of Croatia. The Statue of Liberty's crown opened to visitors eight years after the appalling attack on the World Trade Centre in New York. Serena Williams and Roger Federer were champions at Wimbledon. And Harry Patch, the last British survivor of the First World War trenches and briefly the oldest man in the UK, died at the age of 111. The revelation of the many expenses claim made by members of the UK Parliament over the previous years, which emerged in 2009, well, they were dodgy to say the very least. And in many cases, they were clearly downright fraudulent. The disclosure of the widespread misuse of allowances and expenses permitted to MPs aroused widespread anger among the UK public, and it resulted in a large number of resignations, sackings, deselections and retirement announcements – together with public apologies and the repayment of some of these expenses. Several members or former members of the House of Commons and members of the House of Lords were prosecuted and even sentenced to a spell in the slammer. And people in the country were pleased to see it. You really couldn't make up some of the stories. Tory Grandy, I love that expression, Sir Peter Vigors claimed £1,645 for a duck house. Apparently, this is a sort of a kennel, one and a half metres high, floating on the estate lake out of foxes and other harm's way. Yep, this is the pond on his estate. It's fair to say that Vigors wasn't a regular at the local food bank. His expenses revealed that he was paid more than £30,000 of taxpayers' money for gardening over three years, including nearly £500 for 28 tonnes of manure, Then there was Douglas Hogg, a former Tory cabinet minister. The costs of having his moat cleared, piano tuned and stable lights fixed at his country manor house. Yep, you heard correctly. He claimed taxpayers' money to have his moat cleared. The excuses on being caught are often very amusing too. Please search on YouTube for a medley of the best ones. OCD, dyslexia and other physical excuses we used. It was shameless, really. The Ulster Unionist MP, who volunteered to repay a rent overpayment, is pretty common. She said, I'm very angry that the fees office did not draw my attention to my mistakes at the time, especially as I had on various occasions, specifically written on claim forms that I wanted them to be checked. The pressure on me was enormous at that time, pre-Devolution, when every piece of Northern Ireland legislation had to go through the House of Commons, and I was the only Ulster Unionist voice. I think that's what made it worse for many of us. Getting caught with your hand in the till, you know, that's bad enough, but not admitting it and coming up with that sort of claptrap well, it makes it so much worse, don't you think? But for all of these cases, the reality is that there's a very personal story behind what happened once they were discovered and publicly shamed. As I said, many politicians stood down at the next election and lost their career. And some will never have recovered fully from the loss of their reputation for integrity. You know, the moat cleared, the duck house. How can these guys ever be taken seriously again? For others, the stress of facing the anger from the public for their behaviour and being mocked for their conduct would have affected their health and their relationships. And for some who went to prison, their lives would of course never be the same. I know it's hard to feel sympathy, especially as at this time so many of these politicians were hard-on so-called benefit scroungers who they accused of stealing from taxpayers. The beautiful irony. As always in this podcast, I try to focus on the real-life stories behind the headlines. And today, we take a look at a man in the heart of the expenses scandal. And for me, he kind of summed up the whole mess, which is why I really want to talk about his story today. In today's case, we head to Chelmsford in Essex. Chelmsford became a city only in 2012, and it's around 22 miles northeast of central London. Known to many for the annual V Music Festival, which takes place at Highlands Park, very few of the people that attend this festival know that the site they're standing on hosted a prisoner of war camp during the Second World War, And from 1944, it was actually the headquarters of the SAS. Interesting, huh? I didn't know it either. Interesting, isn't it? Paul Edward Winston White, named after his father's hero, Churchill, was born on the 16th of September 1940 in Essex. His family were relatively well off, living on a farm, and Paul went to school at King Edward's Grammar School in Chelmsford, where he received a Nuffield Scholarship for Agriculture. He loved farming and at age just 15 he was already a pig farmer but after the scholarship was completed in the US he returned to the UK where he joined the National Farmers Union. By the age of just 22 he was president of its Quality Pigs Committee and exploring his growing interest in politics he joined the Chelmsford Conservative Association. At 29, after being told that he could make more of a difference representing Essex as a councillor, he went into local government when he was first elected to Essex County Council. Nineteen years later, in 1989, he was chairman of the council, and as his interest and sphere of influence grew, he took on other roles including leader of the Association of County Councils and chair of the Council of Local Education Authorities. His reputation continued to grow, and he was made a peer in 1998, taking the title Lord Hanningfield. He then became chair of Essex County Council in 2001 and in 2005 from his seat in the House of Lords Lord Hanningfield was made a front bench opposition spokesman for communities local government and transport as part of David Cameron's Conservative Party to Tony Blair at the time Lord Hanningfield was at the height of his powers just a year before he'd been in a national high profile spat with the Post Office and he finally achieved a celebrated victory forcing the post office to open 15 of the 31 branches it had shut in Essex controversially. Funding this with £1.5 million from council tax revenue, he said, Local authorities get a bad press, and I can sometimes see why. Our duty is to serve the community, and not ourselves. Lord Hanningfield was a single man who spoke of sharing his life with his trusty companion called Jefferson, a Bernese mountain dog whom he loved taking on long walks. Interviewed about his private life, he said once, There were a few close calls with women, but I never met the right person. However, I have no regrets and a wonderful close family. And you could say I'm married to the job. But this didn't mean he'd nothing else in his life. In another interview, he spoke about his plans to drive to India, his favourite holiday destination in the summer of 2009. He said, It will mark the 40th anniversary of my first visit there with a friend in an ex-army Humber truck. We got arrested in Iran for accidentally camping in a military base. Other trips he had taken included staying with Tamil Tiger rebels in Sri Lanka, soon after it was devastated by the 2004 tsunami. As the financial crisis took hold across the UK, Lord Hanningfield had ambitious plans for the county of Essex, teaming up with Spanish bank Santander, to launch the Bank of Essex, which was designed to help local businesses suffering from the credit crunch as the mainstream banks withheld lending. This innovation brought Lord Hanningfield to national attention and then his world fell apart. As the Daily Telegraph continued to publish revelations about political figures caught up in the expenses scandal, in July 2009, Lord Hanningfield was mentioned. The Guardian newspaper carried the following story. Scotland Yard is investigating a Conservative peer who claimed tens of thousands of pounds in overnight allowances despite living just 46 miles from Westminster, it was reported today. The Daily Telegraph identified the peer as frontbench transport spokesman Lord Hanningfield, who is also the leader of Essex Council and has a full-time chauffeur provided by the local authority at taxpayers' expense. Records show that the peer claimed £17,120 in the year ending March 2008 for the cost of staying overnight in London in order to attend the Lords. The Telegraph said his claims totalled over £100,000 in the last seven years. The paper reported that detectives from the Met Police Specialist Crimes Unit wanted to establish whether the peer actually stayed in London on the evenings which he claimed rather than returning to his home near Chelmsford. Rules state that peers whose main home is outside the capital can claim an allowance of £174 a night if their stay is for, I quote, the purpose of attending sittings of the house. Receipts are not required. Hanningfield told the Telegraph he could justify all his expenses and blame questions over his claims on a vindictive campaign against me. He said, I work extremely hard on the front bench and I'm satisfied that I can account for all my expenses. Hanningfield blamed his predicament on an outspoken critic of his behaviour, the local MP for nearby Colchester, Bob Russell. The two had clashed on many occasions, and Bob Russell was pretty outspoken, openly complaining about Hanningfield, which is why the authorities scrutinised his expenses in detail. He was one of the last people to have his expenses looked at in so much detail. When asked why Bob Russell would do this, Hanningfield explained, As leader of the county council, I used a council car because I was here, there and everywhere. He knew I'd been to the House of Lords in it. I couldn't have done both jobs if I hadn't had the car to get me around. So clearly Bob Russell was thinking, hold on, why is he claiming all this money for overnight expenses when the council pays for his chauffeur? He'd have just come home. Chelmsford's, what, 45 minute journey from the House of Lords? On the 5th of February 2010, it was announced that Hanningfield would be charged with offences under Section 17 of the Theft Act in 1968, relating relating to false accounting for claims for overnight accommodation. He immediately resigned as the opposition spokesman for Communities, Local Government and Transport and later on that day, he also resigned as leader of Essex County Council and David Cameron withdrew the party whip from him in Parliament. The next year, 16th of May 2011, his trial began at Chelmsford Crown Court. It was alleged that the 70 year old, who was tried under his real name, Paul White, had falsely claimed almost £14,000 for overnight accommodation in London, when on most nights he was returning home to his bungalow less than 50 miles away from the capital. During his eight day trial, the jury were told that on one occasion when he claimed expenses for accommodation, he was actually on a flight to India. He submitted more than £500 in false travel claims for car and train journeys it was alleged he never made, and he even doubled the mileage from his home to the train station. As we've said, under the rules, Piers could claim an allowance of up to £174 a night, with no receipts necessary. But the investigation discovered that on most nights when he claimed to be in London, he had actually been using his chauffeur-driven car provided by six County Council, to travel back home. Henningfield, who had denied six charges of theft by false accounting, told the court they would made claims for accommodation and travel because all the other peers were doing it. He said, I do know other peers who made similar claims, but I won't name them. During the trial, he insisted that his public duties meant he'd often been out of pocket and his claims had simply been making up what he'd spent elsewhere. He said in his defence I do not need an extravagant lifestyle Most of my clothes are from Marks and Spencer I enjoy the occasional glass of wine but that's about it I have no savings, no stocks and shares nothing like that He was also asked whether it would be appropriate to claim for someone to walk his pet the dog Jefferson but he became emotional as he told the court that the animal was crucial to my life As I lived alone I wouldn't survive without my dog It's someone I could talk to and walk with. I suppose it's a shame he didn't really speak to his dog about claiming the expenses. The court heard that when he was interviewed by police, he told them, I've done the same as 500 or 600 other peers. I averaged them out because of my expenditure. I've claimed what I thought I could within the law. I've never done anything illegal in my life. He added, I've put so much money into my public life, I regret ever becoming a peer. He added that except for his dog, there was nothing really else for him outside work. And he told the jury he'd suffered health problems after being charged, including an eye operation, back problems, appendicitis and severe depression. Much to his obvious surprise, the jury found him guilty. Sentencing him to nine months in prison and ordering him to repay £30,000 in stolen money, the judge said it was clear that White had claimed for expenses he did not incur, and his dishonesty had had serious consequences for the reputation of Parliament. He knew when he accepted a peerage that the job of a working peer was unpaid and he did not have to accept the honour. He said, It's not for me to say whether peers should or should not be paid, but whatever you think of the scheme, it was not for any peer to take money to which he was not entitled, on the basis that he believes he is worth it. His work was his life, and now at the age of 70, He should have been enjoying a retirement in which he could have expected his achievements to have been honoured. Instead, he's been convicted of fraud by a jury drawn from the county that he served for so long. And it's as an expenses cheat that he'll be partly remembered. Great trust was placed in peers, to be honest, in their claims for expenses. The public expects no less of them. Lord Hanningfield and others have broken that trust. Taking into account his reportedly fragile mental state and his age, the judge gave him the shortest jail term of any resulting from the parliamentary expenses scandal. The fact that he'd been diagnosed with clinical depression and had expressed suicidal ideas at the thought of being sent to prison was acknowledged by the judge and he said it would be harder for him than for others who were mentally and physically fitter but he also said there had to be consistency in the sentencing across different expenses cases. I wonder how he felt that day in the cells under Chelmsford Prison waiting to be taken to jail. Or as he was processed, like all the other prisoners, with all the trappings of his privilege removed. Or even whether he actually slept that first night in his cell. He was certainly in familiar company. Two cells away was former Labour MP Jim Devine, who was jailed for claiming over £8,000 worth of false invoices. While on the upper floor was fellow Tory, Lord Taylor of Warwick, jailed for false accounting to the tune of £11,277 But he didn't have to worry about these things for long as just three months later after serving just a quarter of his sentence he was back home Talking to the local newspaper he said he was relieved the ordeal was over but said there was much more to tell There is much more to my side of the story which will be revealed when I'm ready, he said This expensive situation has been going on for two and a half years and I'm glad it's all over I'm feeling okay about things at the moment, but I just want a couple of weeks to myself to relax and let everything settle down. Talking about his time at the minimum security prison in Kent, he said, Some of the people who were in prison were better than some of the people I've met on the outside. What profound wisdom. Speaking to Simon Hattenstone at the Guardian newspaper about his time in the Slammer, Hatterson says of Hanningfield, Hanningfield is not an unsympathetic character. Convivial, open, awash with human frailties. But he is quick to blame others, opponents with vendettas, the Tories for failing to advise him, the leadership for throwing him to the walls, the judge for sending him down despite the psychiatrist saying he had suicidal tendencies, and slow to accept responsibility. When asked wasn't it wrong to use the car to travel to the Lords, however practical, he replied, I didn't think about it, that was the problem. He also told the journalist about the day before he was publicly charged, saying, A few friends met me in a pub that night because they knew how bad I'd be. Next day, it was announced on TV at 11am that I was going to be charged. I resigned as front bench spokesman of the Lords and leader of the council that day. It was a very traumatic day. Actually, he said, he didn't properly crack up until the following Christmas. I felt panic, terrible, so I went to a psychiatrist. And he put me on the prozacy stuff. I'm not on as much now as I was then. During times like that, you just want to get home for the dog. But just days after his release and giving the interview to the Guardian newspaper, he was again rearrested. this time for allegedly fiddling his expenses whilst leading Essex County Council. The council published a full list of his spending on his credit card between 2005 and 2010 as part of its review of spending at the authority. It detailed thousands of transactions, including spending on flights, train journeys, meals and hotel stays while he was leader of the authority. The report found that although the period reimbursed costs identified as being personal spending, there had been issues with a lack of receipts and expenditure above recommended guidelines. It also showed, interestingly, that Essex County Council paid off his £4,000 plus bar bill at the House of Lords. But early in 2012, City of London Police announced to would be taking no further action as there was insufficient evidence of fraud. Quietly returning to the House of Lords, Haddingfield hadn't appeared to learn any lessons from his past conduct. In late 2013, the Daily Mirror newspaper conducted surveillance on him before splashing that on 11 of 19 days in July that year, he spent less than 40 minutes in the Lords before returning to his home in Essex. By even spending that little time at the House of Lords, he was eligible for the £300 daily allowance paid to peers. His shortest attendance during the month was 21 minutes and the longest was more than five hours, the mirror said, with a total of £5,700 claimed in attendance allowance over the month and 471 in travel costs for exceptionally little work. Responding to their allegations, he said... Lots of peers go in and check for their expenses but they are using their expenses for lots of things entertaining, employing people. Clocking in and out of parliament is only part of being a peer. By the time I have people at home to help time I have people in the House of Lords to help me I spend something like £150 a down expenses so I don't really make any profit. I have to live, don't I? I don't do anything else. How do you think I'm going to eat? How am I going to pay my electricity bills? My income from the Lords will be about thirty thousand pounds a year. I pay about eighteen thousand in expense to other people, so I end up with about twelve thousand pounds a year. He told the newspaper I can name fifty that do it. I see the same people go in and out as I do. I don't want to be persecuted. His fellow peers weren't impressed and gave him the strongest sanction available to them, banning him from the House of Lords for one year. The evidence that the pilfering peer gave to the committee is almost comical. His main argument was he needed to pay someone to feed his hens, as you do. The committee at the House of Lords released the following statement. Lord Haddingfield was unable to point to any specific work that he'd undertaken on the 11 days discovered by the Commissioner's investigation, the committee said. In our view, it is clear that the daily allowance should only be claimed on those days when parliamentary work has been undertaken. We recommend that Lord Hanningfield be required to repay to the House the £3,300 he wrongly claimed and he be suspended from the service of the House until the end of the current Parliament. Others were seriously unimpressed by this punishment for his clear abuse of privilege. The Chief Exec of the Taxpayers Alliance said, It's hard to imagine what else Lord Hanningfield could do to be thrown out the House of Lords for good. Fair point. Speaking after the ban, Unbelievably, Hanningfield still didn't feel able to actually apologise, instead saying that he intends to return to the House of Lords after his suspension. He added, Following my release from prison, I was suffering from psychological and physical health problems. I was anxious about returning to the House, and while it was thoughtless of me to claim the full allowance on the 11 dates in question, considering I spent so little time on the parliamentary estate, I never attempted to hide any of these transgressions simply because I was unaware that what I was doing was wrong. I regret that my mistakes have ultimately resulted in me being suspended from the house, but I would like to assure the people and organisations that I was in the process of helping that I'll continue the work that I have started outside the Lords to ensure that our efforts will not be wasted upon my return. In his statement, he once more told of his belief that many other peers also claim the £300 a day supplement as a form of salary. Like many other Lords, I believe the allowance to be a de facto salary. Something which the Commissioner himself conceded in his report is an acceptable way to view it. As I've stated many times before, I claim the allowance on 100 days during the year, which amounts to an annual salary of £30,000 and no more. I consider myself to be a working peer every single day of the year and I regularly conduct parliamentary work from my home in Essex. And so... Even if I'm not speaking in the House or participating in a debate or a vote, I'm still required to travel to the House in order to claim the allowance, just as there are many more days a year where I work all day and not claim at all, he said. But following the release of this report, the Met Police began an investigation of their own and they decided to charge him for submitting the false claims. Hanningfield, obviously, denied the charge of false accounting and the case was referred to the Crown Court. But dramatically in court, it was revealed that the House of Lords had sent an email at the last moment that meant the court effectively had no power to try Hanningfield. The House of Lords had said it had exclusive cognizance over the issue, meaning that it was outside a court's jurisdiction and destroying the prosecution's case. Once this had happened, the prosecution were left with no option but to offer no evidence and the judge, the recorder of Westminster, recorded a not guilty verdict, allowing the disgraced peer to walk free. The judge said it's not widely understood, even among lawyers I suspect, that the criminal courts in this country do not have jurisdiction over every alleged criminal wrongdoing. There is a particular aspect of that that relates to that which has or has not been done in relation to the activities of Parliament. Hmm, how does that look to you? Was Hanningfield facing justice in the same way as you or me would? Or maybe someone on benefits who was accused of stealing? No, I totally agree. It doesn't feel right at all, does it? He was going to go to jail, wasn't he? Clearly going to go to jail. It was a clear case. But it's not just us. Others were appalled at this lack of justice. Sir Alastair Graham, Parliament's former standards watchdog, said, It's going to give the perception that once again, The elite are looking after their own. And this goes back to what we said at the very start of the podcast, doesn't it? We wonder why people in general have less respect for authority when you see these sort of actions take place. Was Lord Hanningfield humble after this? No, of course he wasn't. Instead, he demanded an apology from the Crown Prosecution Service after accusing them of hounding him because he's part of the establishment. He said... The CPS were really determined to try and get me. There's no doubt they thought I was a bit of an easy target. They should apologise because they shouldn't ever have pursued it. There's obviously a thing against politicians. To a certain extent, I'm part of the establishment and they are out to get the establishment. They want to be popular. And that's where we are today. The ex-pig farmer who appears to struggle making a distinction between public and his own money, is a free man who still attends the House of Lords and no doubt picking up his allowance daily, still believes he's done nothing wrong and seeing himself as the victim of a witch hunt. In his interview with The Guardian after being released from jail, this attitude was evident. He told the journalist, A good friend said to me the other day he would have thought I'd committed at least two murders for the amount of publicity I've had. And what does he think? Well, with hindsight, I feel I made a big mistake in assuming House of Lords expenses were legitimate and I've obviously done something wrong. And I've paid the price for it for going to prison. A big price. And now I've actually got to earn my respect back. I understand that. But as he got out of the car, he called the journalist back to tell him, but I'm sorry if I don't feel like a double murderer. I just don't. To me, it's pretty clear that for all his talk, he doesn't feel sorry at all for what he's done. In reality, he just feels sorry that he got caught when so many others were doing the same thing. So is it possible to have any sympathy for him? I'm not so sure. Maybe he performed to a high standard in his career and he helped many people in doing so. But now, looking at it, the whole story is pretty damning, isn't it? And it highlights the widespread belief that the majority, not all, but a sizable majority of our politicians are in it for what they can get rather than more lofty ideals. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? It's hard to know how he's the nerve to show his face at the House of Lords, isn't it? Has he lost touch with reality? Or maybe there are many others who share his view, that he's done nothing wrong, and really getting the extra expenses that he gets, he's just getting what he's owed. What is clear is after the expenses scandal, when politicians needed to demonstrate their integrity The presence of the pilfering peer doesn't help. The Lords is meant to be a place for honour and parliamentary oversight, not an opportunity for expenses cheats to rip off taxpayers. Will he one day decide to walk away from the Lords? I think we both know the answer to this, don't we? I imagine this isn't the last time we will hear of leeching Lord Hanningfield. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime where you can listen to the seven bonus episodes and other free content. Please also head to the Facebook group where we discuss all aspects of UK True Crime and other burning issues of the day such as, well, should milk go in before or after the water when making tea? But that is all from me for today, so unless we catch up in the pub on Saturday... Let's speak again next week. Until then, please take it easy and most importantly, stay classy. Cheerio.